when my hands are touching the other one, uh, we see it in a way that two nervous systems are communicating with each other. And if my nervous system is agitated and uh, contracted and, and not um, uh, at its best, let's say, yeah. um, it will affect the quality of my teaching. To Healing Union podcast. This is your host, Jofi. Jofia Antonia Gal, MD. Healing Union has been created to bring together and find harmony between modern and traditional medicines, the body and the mind, health and creative living, all in the name of healing, deep nourishment, and joy. episode today. Today we'll be talking about the connection between the body, the mind, the soul. I'm a big big fan of bringing these different parts of ourselves together and just looking at it as a whole. I firmly believe that you can't really separate them and we'll be talking about Alexander's technique which is well, Katri Mari, our dear guest, will be defining it for us. She's been teaching it for over 20 years. But in my definition, it's a system where you look at the person holistically. So, yeah, I can't wait to share this with you. And moving on, we will be having more and more guests focusing on different aspects of this body-mind spectrum, different kinds of healers, which I'm very excited to, to dive deeper into. But today's talk will be with Katri Marie, who is actually the mother of Anina, our previous English-speaking guest. And I've met Katri Marie when I was living in Paris, when I would just go over to uh, Anina's place and I just have some really fond memories of yeah, just meeting and, and connecting and talking with Katri Murray. I feel like she's such an embodiment of her practice as well. Uh, in during our talk at one point she said she is constantly paying attention to herself and in a way, this is also what she's teaching to others. And I can really just sense this presence, this mindful, constant presence um, when I'm with her. So, uh, yeah, let's dive into our talk. We have had little issues. Um, there might be some background noise during our recording. I'm sorry for that, but the talk itself is very precious. So, enjoy! Hello! 
Welcome, Katri Marie, to the podcast. I'm very honored to have this this talk with you. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. I'm also very pleased to be here with you. And I have a good morning behind me mm. with translating. <laughs> nice. So my first question is, um, just tell us a few words about yourself. Where do you live? Uh, what do you do? What are your interests? Anything that you want to share? Um, so I'm an Alexandra Technique teacher and I have just recently moved back to Helsinki. I'm a, a Finnish uh, teacher, but I have been teaching quite long years in, in Belgium and in France. And I am actually building up the teaching uh, uh, work again here uh, now. But I try to take some time for, for me too. Mm. And the most interesting hobby this fall has been uh, uh, a workshop um, on, uh, once a week uh, where we combine um, improvisational dance and uh, free uh, kind of uh, writing yeah so wow. those two alternate and really beautifully feed each others so that's my uh, yeah enjoyment mm. uh, of the work wow that's that's beautiful and i will definitely uh, want to come back to that and, and just yeah talk more about that but um, before that I wanted to ask um, more about your journey with Alexander's Technique um, what's your story behind it how did you end up teaching it holding space for it um, it dates back quite a long time now uh, I was um, doing my university studies on speech communication here in Finland. And every now and then I heard about the Alexander Technique during my studies in different connections. Hmm. And it um, roused my interest um, hmm. because uh, it was something that promised change uh, in a profound level. And I started to find out literature about this technique, um, but that's, that was over 30 years ago now. Mm. So um, finding uh, material was not at all very easy at that point. We didn't use computers then, as we do today. Um, but nevertheless, I gathered some information and even wrote quite many um, my university essays uh, on some aspects of the Alexander Technique and then started to feel a little bit ashamed that I hadn't really given it a go mm. and, and uh, tried it in, in real life myself. 
which I then did for a weekend uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was something that was appealing and uh, um, made me to, to explore further and to go for private lessons and then maybe yeah something like 10 years later when i was uh, living in in uh, brussels mm. um i i was at the point that i really wanted to train to become a teacher um, and now i've been teaching alexander technique yes approximately 20 years Mm. Um, and have been doing that uh, in the triangle of three capitals um, Helsinki, Brussels and Paris. I seem to be going back to those all those three regularly. Beautiful. Um, Can you tell us about about the technique itself, Alexander's technique? your definition or how you view it, what it is for, yeah, those of you who do not know it, listening? This is a very good um, and difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> difficult question to, to, to answer in words. Um, Alexander Technique covers such a wide area of, of human being, human life, um, but one way to put it would maybe be uh, an attempt to become truly who you are mm. uh, without your uh, underneath your habits or condition. Mm. So it's about the use of ourself, the way we are using this only instrument that we have to go about with our lives um, and that we can affect its uh, quality and its functionality and well-being in an enormous way. Pay attention to it. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful way of, uh, of defining it. Um, yeah, I also do see that it's, it's difficult to define such techniques where so much of the work goes beyond words and it's um it's not a very defined very structured technique um that our brains are used to in in everyday life um yeah i i think i heard about alexander's technique from well from you and and your daughter anina for the first time and uh, I wanted to ask, because I remember Anina mentioning it, that it was similar to Feldenkrais um, method or maybe along the same lines. Yeah, could you just tell us the, the difference or how yeah, those two are related? Um, I have been um, practicing Feldenkrais myself uh, only maybe couple little tryouts so maybe I can't be very specific but I know that Moshe 
Feldon Kreis, um, the founder of, of this way of uh, guiding people, was the pupil of Alexander and, and uh, took uh, some ideas and, and modified them to, to suit his purposes more. Often um, in Feldenkrais um, method, we are asked to, to feel a lot, like to question how do I feel about this movement or uh, how would it be that way and so on. Meanwhile, in Alexander Technique, we do that less. We we have this uh, principle or starting point um, in Alexander Technique where we recognize that our sensory appreciation, the way we feel how we are, is not very trustworthy. That we uh, can't expect it to function in an objective way, but more according to our habits. And so, in order to guide yourself in everyday life, it is maybe not the most um, appropriate way to go about things uh, guided by your feelings, mm -hmm. because they might lead us to something that is not truly new or um, or even we might think so. Mm. Um, so that is uh, one probably fundamental difference. There might might be others, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 beautiful, and I loved how you defined Alexander's technique this technique of um, being able to be who you truly are. Um, yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm, I still haven't tried an Alexander's Technique class, actually. It's on my list for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I wanted to ask how, how do these even look? Would you, do they usually uh, recommend a couple of sessions uh, or is it like a one-time session? And how does one session actually look? It is recommended to have series of lessons. Mm -hmm. We are dealing with habits of life, and our aim is to to modify some of those habits. Some are good, but some need a little bit of adjustment. And uh, when we think of habits, they usually build up along, uh, during many, many years. And it would be um, unrealistic to hope that something that has been in my way of being for years or decades mm. would disappear in a couple of lessons. Yeah. So it's about unlearning and needs quite a lot of repetition. Sometimes people get 
functional and, and very useful ideas already with something like five lessons. But to really build up something uh, which would be uh, a, a profound change, uh, I would say that we're talking more about number of 30 lessons, mm -hmm. something like that. And then some people keep on coming, see the, the benefits and keep on coming for years and years. Or come again when uh, uh, something starts to be difficult or is uh, painful or tiring and want to come for a refresh, of course. Mm -hmm. But how then a lesson would look mm -hmm. like? Um, they usually uh, last from half an hour to one hour, according to the teacher, and consist of quite fundamental basic movements and uh, things that we usually do in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. So there are moments when one would be seated, sitting and um, or standing with exploring walking or lifting or bending and then I also usually always take time to to give everybody a time to lie down mm -hmm. so that I can I can guide with my hands that's an essential part of the Alexander technique lessons mm -hmm. that um, I regard myself to be a teacher and those who come for lessons um, can think of themselves as pupils or mm -hmm. students. Uh, but anyway, active learners uh, and not passive uh, receivers. So we're exploring together. And um, I want to guide both verbally with my hands uh, so it's very tactile technique. And then also sometimes we look at a little bit briefly something which is anatomical, physiological, so that the, let's say, body mapping is as accurate as possible so that the, the way to use this beautiful design would be uh, based on facts and not so much images and yeah. things that are not factual. Yeah. I really like that approach that the, the client is seen as a student, as an active yeah, participant in, in discovering the body, these habits. Because, yeah, I see that in, uh, in healthcare. Come, you know, coming from my background, I see that very often all of the responsibility and everything is just put on the doctor. Um, so yeah, it's it's beautiful to see that yeah, there is another way. Um, and I wanted to ask because yeah, for me the technique is still new concerning these habits. If whether by habits do you mean 
both physical habits, like a certain way of, I don't know, walking or sitting down, or also emotional or like emotional habits or thought patterns that people have? Definitely both. Mm -hmm. um, we start the observations very often uh, with physical uh, habits, the way we're carrying ourselves, um, the way we deal our body structure, the, the balance of the musculature, the way we use our joints, uh, or how we look, uh, how we uh, position ourselves. Um, but then, since a human being is, is psychophysical and, and uh, a human being is a, is a unity, um, we very quickly start noticing that when the way of using ourselves in a physical level is balanced, it starts to carry effects on our uh, mental and uh, well-being. So that um, I have had comments from my uh, pupils that how funny I feel that I am more efficient in my mm. translating or computer or that people are, are uh, seeing me as a friendly person or that I am uh, not so stressed anymore. So the effects uh, can be uh, in many, many layers uh, in our lives. That's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, a question popped up in me, whether you also give homework, like is there something the pupil needs to practice, let's say daily or most days between these sessions? Um, I don't give a lot. Yeah. Um, the, the tasks are more on a level of observing and noticing and becoming conscious mm -hmm. and being curious about, uh, let's say that uh, we would go for a walk and I would ask, so start paying attention, how much are you seeing? around when you walk or mm. are you looking on your toes and figuring out what you should do tomorrow or what you should have said yesterday um, or are you really now there where you where you uh, are uh, able to see that the nature around you for example um, so yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, it's a lot of uh, observing mm -hmm. tasks. But then um, I earlier mentioned that um, I asked people to lie down and, uh, and have a so-called active rest during mm -hmm. the lessons. And that is something that I start recommending everybody right from the beginning because I know that it kind of facilitates the process and makes it more effective. And, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so there are things that I 
invite people to, okay. to implement into their daily lives. Because the fact also is that um, if we want change and we want to go from, let's say, from the situation A towards a situation that we call B, uh, we just can't hope immediately to, to be in the B. Some way we have to make the steps from A towards the B. And those must be quite uh, functional tools. Uh, yet there is a lot of hoping and wishing, but then also uh, acts. Yeah, certainly. Oh, it's, and it's beautiful how you say that it's a lot of observing because I feel like, you know, it's a very subtle way um, it's a subtle homework or task to do, but it's it's not an easy one, I would say. It's simple, but it's not easy. Um, and I really like that you mentioned this active relaxation, uh, laying down. I think I haven't told you, but I I just did this restorative yoga teacher training, and I've been practicing that these past couple of months, you know, just this active relaxation uh, daily and it is quite profound it, it looks like once again a very simple practice but just observing your thoughts or where your body has tension or you know and some days your heart is beating faster from coffee <laughs> like yeah it's uh, it's very interesting to take time during the day to just observe the body and yeah Katrin Marie I feel like you probably it's also the Alexander's technique but ever since I've known you I I always felt like you you always had this like mindful presence I wanted to ask if you personally have any um, practices maybe meditation practice or Alexander's technique that you do on yourself yes um, we often, among the colleagues, talk about, um, we use the phrase, working on oneself. How do you work on yourself? <laughs> and we, we uh, invite each other to, to do daily activities uh, that we know to, uh, to bring uh, awareness, uh, and consciousness, and balance, and uh, length, width, profoundness, breathing, seeing. And I still keep on lying down uh, almost daily. Then there are uh, Thing, uh, practices that have maybe a funny names, like uh, whispered R would be one uh, okay. practice, okay. Um, uh, which is about uh, observing in a detailed way of breathing and sound production. Mm. Then we have something that we call hands on the back of the chair. Um, 
which is which gives a beautiful possibility to to observe the whole mechanism of ourselves uh, in a lengthened and connected way where also the legs and arms are used in a particular way uh, and then uh, um, I would add that uh, Miro is a beautiful uh, uh, tool and help mm. in that kind of work where we use observing what is going on and paying attention if things that I imagine to be happening are really taking place mm. or they're taking place as I am planning to. Mm. Yeah, wow, yeah. The the mirror practices that I can relate to. I don't know the other tasks, but um I remember six years ago when I was doing my first yoga teacher training um, that's what our teacher told us too like you you know the poses already you've practiced them you have this idea in your head how they look but now you should practice all of this in front of a mirror and it's crazy how how you think you know your body and then <laughs> you start observing it more closely. Um, and yeah, maybe this um, takes me on to this other topic of um, working with, um, well, professional sports people or professional dancers with Alexander's technique. Because um, I have this friend of mine, a contemporary dancer, and she was telling me how it might seem that she's very much in her body during the day, during her work. But she realized because she started doing these intuitive dance classes. And at those classes, she realized how much her dance work, she says she was still a lot in her head and, you know, try to fit everything, the music, the group. Um, so yeah, I'm very curious to to explore this whole idea for this particular group of people. Yeah, I have had a um, beautiful chance to to teach uh, uh, in a um, theater uh, university in Helsinki uh, and uh, uh, for the future dancers and choreographers mm. and. Um, it's it's very much the case with those professions where you use your body in a in a demanded way, mm -hmm. whether it is a dancer or a musician with an instrument yeah. or a horse rider or, or a sportsman. Um, that um, the way you are using your instrument uh, is crucial, and sometimes um, when when it's daily and it's on a demanded level, um, it is very very challenging to to cope mm. with those uh, demands. 
And to have someone uh, to guide you is an enormous help um, so that you can preserve your energies to guide them into the direction which is functional and not against you. Uh, to have uh, ways of practicing that are uh, sensible and not overly time consuming. And also the ways of, uh, of thinking of oneself. Uh, many times, for example, a musician is guided to think a lot of the, the instrument, mm -hmm. the viola or, or the piano. Meanwhile, from my uh, practice, I start really to to deal with the first instrument, the the, the one that is taking the uh, the other equipments, um, or a dancer um, might be thinking of. Uh, of alignment and, and uh, uh, the length of the body, but how to achieve that in a non-doing way, which is not uh, achieved by muscular tension, but actually by muscular release, which uh, on the other hand won't take any of your length and width away so that mm -hmm. it would be poised and uh, uh, but not, let's say, heavily relaxed. Mm -hmm. For example, yeah, finding that fine line between. Yes. Um, well, I wanted to ask, how does this uh, present in your own work, um, even as a as someone working with another person's body, do you have to pay attention to your own, as you said, first instrument, to your own sensations um, or body? That's, I would say, crucial. Mm -hmm. um, I am inviting myself constantly to pay attention to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, in the teaching situation, um, my challenge is to be fully there for the pupil in such a way that I won't forget myself. And the, the more I teach, or let's say the longer my day is, more challenging it becomes in the end of the day to... Um, to stick into this principle, to pay attention to my own use, because my hands never can achieve anything beneficial for the other one if my own use is not poised. Um, so that when my hands are touching the other one, uh, we see it in a way that to nervous systems are communicating with each other. And if my nervous system is agitated and uh, contracted and, and not um, 
uh, at its best, let's say, yeah. um, it will affect the quality of my teaching. So that is an endless uh, wish to be aware of myself, to be conscious of myself. And often I, I meet people uh, who say that, okay, if, how, how long would it take that I don't have to think it anymore? Mm. That, uh, that I'm free of uh, paying attention to myself, that I can fully do what I'm doing and, and uh, almost like it would be a task uh, that has to be done and then put aside. But the longer I've been uh, practicing, I have become aware that this is my, let's say, birthright to be a human being who can pay attention in order to make choices. If I don't be there for making choices, I can't make the, ba the best choices. Mm. So... Yeah, that's very in the very heart of, of this technique. And in order to make choices, we need to stop regularly mm. and drop all our plans and come to the neutral so that mm. the next thing that we're trying to achieve uh, would be uh, achieved by good means and not only by ends uh, dictating our way of functioning. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm really loving everything you're saying and I feel like the deeper we go into it, the more philosophical and, and and profound it gets and I, and I do start seeing it now how intrinsically related it is to our everyday everyday lives it's not just the body we are talking about or just the mind but it's yeah it's really everything um what do you say about the philosophical aspect uh is very very true mm -hmm. uh, Something that for me started as a journey of observing yeah. uh, really um, uh, the body and the uh, physical aspects has evolved enormously, especially towards the philosophical uh, mm. to, uh, direction of the whole way of being in life. And this whole concept of, um, well, doing less, stopping regularly, and um, I think you said um, this doing by non-doing, uh, for me it reminds me a lot of these uh, Taoist uh, approaches, or yeah, what I've read from traditional Chinese medicine. Yes, uh, there are similarities. Um, but then um, what has been quite nice is that this um, tradition is um, very 
Western. Yeah. Uh, not so old as the Asian yeah. techniques, um, but uh, the, the entire vocabulary and way of uh, phrasing things is from our culture. And so maybe quite accessible for us, uh, yeah. not involving uh, the obligation to to learn entirely another way of thinking or culture. Well, actually, not quite true. Not to, to say that entirely new way of thinking. That yes, but <laughs> not maybe in a cultural level. <laughs> yeah. I, I see what you mean, <laughs> yes. Um, well, can you tell us just a few words about the origin of this technique or how old? The founder of the technique uh, uh, was Frederick Matthias Alexander. He was born in 1869. And he was a Shakespearean reciter and became quite popular in the quite uh, successful, but uh, alongside with the success in front of the, the audience. And he found it, of course, very annoying and disturbing to find out uh, from the specialists of, of his time, uh, the doctors, uh, something in my build-up is, is, uh, is needing a uh, an operation or something like that. But um, there was no uh, obvious visible reason why he was losing his voice and he was recommended to rest and give it the time and, and not to use his voice and then it obviously would heal itself. He did as he was advised but uh, after some weeks of rest uh, in front of the audience, the same mm. repeated itself. He lost his voice and um, then he concluded that actually he is doing something that is causing the problem. Mm. And then his further thinking was that, okay, if it's me doing it to myself, then obviously there must be a way not to do something that causes this problem. And this led him to very lengthy observations with mirrors. Mm -hmm. He started to notice some um, uh, phenomena that repeated it uh, themselves. And he noticed that his way of using his head, his way of pressing his larynx, his way of gasping the air, and later on he noticed his actually entire way of using his musculature had characteristics that uh, caused uh, loss of voice mm. and then he started to, to kind of reason the way out which wasn't 
it's it's uh, if someone is interested, they can read his um, his story in the book called "The Use of the Self," mm-hmm. which was written in the thirties, where he tells the meticulous um, uh, way that he dealt with all the obstacles that were on his way and how he found his way out of these problematic uh, patterns and then little by little started to help his uh, colleagues and uh, also other members of the public. And then later on he gave up almost entirely his his uh, career as a as an actor and uh, devoted his life to to teaching he did his most of his um his uh, teaching lives in in london except um, those periods when when there were uh, two world wars and when he also taught a lot in the United States. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. And uh, I know we could keep talking for hours and hours about all of these um, amazing things. Mm. Yeah, but I was thinking of just bringing back the conversation to to you and uh, just asking a few questions that I, I always do on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let the first one be that you kind of mentioned before already. Um, what it is that recharges you uh, these days, this season? Yeah, I would I would uh, say that it's for me it's movement, mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, dancing, um, and not a dancing where someone is telling me how to how to go about my movements, but yeah. really my my possibility to think of my movement uh, from what I need, yeah. what my what is coming from inside of me and how I represent that so that I'm not so much in these practices making movements, mm-hmm. but thinking to be a movement. And uh, another element where I really enjoy that is the water. Mm-hmm. And I, I go to swim. I have a favorite place here in Helsinki. It's an old uh, swimming pool with the uh, Art Deco uh, mm. uh, surroundings, and they have days for men and different days for women. So we don't have to be in our bathing suits, and, and we can really enjoy the free movement also in the water. Mm. That um, yeah, that really reminds me of. Uh, we have a big, big bathing culture here in Budapest as well. <laughs> I was thinking that I should come and visit and try it out someday. You should, 
you really should. Um, sounds beautiful. And now, yeah, uh, a recurring question is what your favorite food is um, these days? How do you nourish yourself in this sense? I have been a vegetarian for, I don't know, 30 decades. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that is uh, uh, one part of my uh, way of eating. But then if I would, uh, I was asked uh, what is really uh, something that I wouldn't give up from my uh, way of eating, I probably would say salads. Mm. Or lots of different salads with nice dressings and uh, fresh ingredients. Oh, sounds so amazing. Um, just wanted to share that on a personal note again that uh, the like your way of cooking or Anina's way of cooking um, back in the day inspired me to go vegetarian for quite a while actually so yeah it was I still remember every time I would go to your your place there would be all these new ways of you know putting meals together um, because I wasn't vegetarian before that or wasn't introduced to any of that so yeah it's once again I feel like it's a new way of thinking when you switch your diet like that yeah <laughs> yes um and then uh, an even more personal question is your astrological signs um yeah what your sun moon and rising or ascendant sign is um i am a sagittarius uh, and very sagittarius i think because of my rising sign is also sagittarius wow <laughs> and then uh, uh, the moon is uh when i was born it's in gemini Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautiful okay yeah Sagittarius a lot my mom is also Sagittarius yeah well um, and the final question is what do these two words mean to you um, healing union what thoughts come up in you when, when you hear these words um, healing and union yeah I think uh, looking after ourselves is a creative act uh, and when we give it time, uh, our unity is actually quite clever. Mm. Uh, it is constantly trying to heal itself um, and wants that uh, it is like um, being in, in Sahara and, and taking all the drops of water and, and to, to nourish ourselves 
And if we just keep on doing that, it, it builds up. It, uh, it brings us uh, towards new horizons. Mm. And, and it's, a, it's a multiple uh, journey in, in many layers, as you mentioned, that there is the way we eat, the way we move, the way we deal with our sleep, um, it's our human relations, it's the way we look at our work and, and leisure. Uh, so it's almost anywhere where you look at. Mm. And yes, it's uh, a big, big uh, entity that that merits our attention. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a beautiful way of, of seeing it. Wow. Thank you so, so much for all of this, uh, this beautiful talk and all this wisdom you shared. And yeah, I, as I told you, I could still ask you so many different questions because I find this... <laughs> topic so so interesting and what you have to share on it um but thank you very much maybe in a couple of years we can pick up another topic and yes yes i think i i see that happening as well yeah thank you katri marie um thank you hope you enjoyed this talk. I hope you could arrive a little deeper into your body. And I just wanted to add a few things. So we didn't mention human design in this talk, but Katri Murray is a manifesting generator. I wanted to add that. And along with that, you can also find Katri Murray um, and read about her work on her website. I will just link it below uh, in the show notes. And yeah, otherwise, we would be so grateful if you would give us a rating or a comment on Spotify, on, on Apple Podcast, wherever you're listening to us at this point. Uh, yeah, your support means so much. Thank you for, for being here, for being a part of this. And I wanted to also add that um, in less than a month's time, we will have our very last retreat of the year for which you can still sign up for one of the last spots. And you can find more information about this on our website, which is healingunion.com. Once again, you can find the link in the show notes. And have a beautiful rest of the day. Bye.